When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Welcome to the Grow Your Business and Grow Your Wealth podcast with Gary Helt. Gary is an expert in helping business owners put together a plan that will provide a better future for their businesses, themselves, and their families. On the podcast, Gary interviews other professionals who share his vision, and together they share secrets and strategies any business owner can use to build a better financial foundation for your business and your life. Welcome back to the podcast. Today, our guest is Matthew Erskine, and he is the managing partner of Erskine, Erskine LLC. Welcome. Pleasure to be here. So, you know, tell us, Matt, what, what got you into uh, law? Well, um, I think genetics. Uh, my family has been trust and estate lawyers since the 1870s, but wow. my undergraduate actually degree was actually in medieval history. Uh, but uh, I took a look at the job prospects for being a medieval historian, and after about 30 seconds, I decided I needed to do something else. Right. So my father invited me to be his law clerk, and I worked for him for a year and then um, uh, went to law school, and, and he and I uh, formed a partnership, and he's now 98 and only comes into the office one day a week. Yeah. <laughs> So what is it about the, the law and, and, and estates and trusts that really gets you kind of fired up and, and wanting to do this? Well, what I tell people is most lawyers get their clients out of trouble. Uh, we keep our clients from getting into trouble in that um, many times what we're doing actually is, uh, is more or less strategic planning. Mm -hmm. uh, we're looking, uh, when you're thinking about uh, a estate plan, it has to take into consideration that you might die tomorrow and you might die 40 years from now. Right. And it has to work well in both situations. And with trusts, you can have trusts that we, we've had trusts that um, my grandfather set up which my father administered and I terminated, which lasted for more than a hundred years. Wow. And went across five generations of the same family. That's pretty cool. Yeah, I mean, it, 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 it means that um, there are things that, you know, you don't actually realize need to be done uh, until you've actually done them. For example, uh, many people will say, well, I, I, want to make sure that they only invest my money in safe things. 
but what's safe changes. So um, right. my great grandfather drafted a trust, which I have a copy of, that the only asset that you could invest the trust in were railway bonds. <laughs> because in the 1880s, the stock market was unregulated. It was the Wild West. You had uh, you know, people and uh, railways were considered a public utility. Remember, you didn't have water companies, you didn't have electric companies, you didn't have everything that you think of as, as a utility. Right. And so they were considered to be the safest thing. I think today I'd be hard pressed to say that railway bonds are the best investment that you could possibly find. Probably, that, that's probably true. What are some of the common mistakes that you're you know, seeing people make before they come in and see you guys? Um, some of the common mistakes are when they um, sort of have a do-it-yourself attitude. Mm -hmm. For example, um, many times people will say, well, I have put uh, my kids, you know, put the assets in my kid's name, so everything should be fine. I'm like, well, uh, perhaps. Uh, but then again, what happens if your kid gets sued? Mm -hmm. Those assets are now available to your kid's creditors or they get divorced. Are the assets considered to be part of the marital uh, situation? So. You know, it may work in some situations. Indeed, it does work in some situations, but it may not. And they don't have a plan B. Right, right. What, um, I guess, what, what are some of the biggest fears that, um, that people have when they come in to see you? And how do you help, you know, help them overcome those fears? Well, when you're talking about estate planning, you're talking about the two things that people never want to talk about, which is, death and taxes. Right. Um, they are also the two things which no one can avoid so far. Um, although ma modern medicine, who knows? Um, right. The, you know, one of the things that, um, you know, people say is, well, I don't have an estate plan. And I say, well, actually, yes, you do have an estate plan, but it was written by the government. And mm -hmm. that there are rules and this goes back to, you know, back in the day when the kings of England had to raise troops based on people's land holdings. There are rules that say, land, you know, property must transfer. And if there's no will, no trust, then it will transfer according to the rules of intestacy. Because there can't be any break between the ownership of property. So I tell people, yeah, you know, but it may not go where you want it to go. Right. Um, so you, you have to take a look at it and say, uh, what is my current estate plan? Well, my current estate plan is that if I die, it goes according to the rules of intestacy. But I don't want that. I want money to go to my wife. I don't want nothing. You know, I want money to go to my kids. I want money to go to my favorite uh, charity, you know, uh, and those aren't involved necessarily in the proportions that you want. Right, right. You know, so what you're saying is by default, they go based on what the, the state rules are. Um, and you're right. definitely not getting a beneficial tax rate um, because of this. Well, it's a beneficial tax rate, but also, I mean, it's a question of control. 
how much control do you want to have during your lifetime and after your death? And usually people who have worked hard to make their money say, I'd like a lot of control, please. Right. I'm like, well, the government isn't going to give you any control because they're the ones who are going to determine it. And you're correct that uh, the Internal Revenue Service and the state taxing authorities assume that you don't have any plans. And that's how you pay the most in the way of taxes, not necessarily estate taxes with the exemption now so high for federal purposes, but certainly income taxes. Right. Now, can can you you give a brief description of kind of the difference between, you know, a will versus a trust? Because lots of times people think that uh, I hear people using those terms interchangeably. Uh, What I say is to people, um, a will is a photograph, a trust is a movie. A will is a snapshot in time. It only applies to what you own at the moment of your death. So it says, if I die at that moment owning this real estate, that bank account, et cetera, et cetera, then do this. If you have received the assets and then spent it or given it away uh, before you died, then there is no record of that in your estate. Similarly, if the money goes to your beneficiaries and they go to the casino and blow it all, there is no control over that. Whereas a trust is something that you could create during your lifetime, which allows for management. You could hire an asset manager or you could just have it be something that you you manage yourself. And when you die, it continues on. And it's a series of Uh, If then questions, you know, if my wife needs money, then give it to her. If my kid becomes addicted to heroin, then don't give them the money, but provide a a safe place for them to live. If my child dies, then provide for their children. Mm -hmm. And so you can construct this, uh, as I said, like a movie, you know, you, you sit there and things evolve. And you don't know necessarily what the choices of the characters are, unless you've seen the movie before, I suppose. Right. Um, and uh, you get to see how they adapt and how things go on. And eventually it ends. So it, it sounds like to me then, then the, um, you know, the will is, uh, I, I'm going to say, it is barely one step up from the government because you don't have, you know, uh, it's not flexible. It's basically, this is what it is. And, and we can't make any changes. You know, if something were to, like you said, you know, the, your, your child is addicted to heroin or, or whatever, um, you still have to give them that money. Yeah. I mean, it, 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 you're predicting the future exactly with a will. When I die, this will be the same as I have it today. And I can distribute the money according to what I know I would like today. And you don't have a whole lot of flexibility because that's when you, um, you know, you need to have a trust. Okay. Um, what are some of the, the challenges that you're, you know, facing now? I mean, you know, we're, we're, I, mean, I don't want to say we're out of the pandemic, but hopefully we're we're at the tail end of it. 
um, and, and what's happened over the past couple of years? I mean, what are the some of the challenges that you're facing because of all of that? Um, well, some of the challenges that we're facing is that, uh, you know, part of it is that suddenly people have woken up to the fact that, you know, they're mortal. Uh, and, uh, you know, the possibility of dying suddenly is, is in the forefront of their mind. Right. And so they rush to get something done. And then they don't bother to continue on the planning process. The other is um, that people become fixated upon this is going to cost me a lot of money. Right. And, um, you know, yes, it will cost you money but it will cost you less money than probably the taxes or the administrative headaches you would have if you didn't have it. Uh, and the other question is how much is control worth? So uh, oftentimes, and you know, what, what I tell people is something's better than nothing. They're like, well, you know, I don't know whether or not I wanna give things equally or what about my business and, uh, you know, I, I'm, I'm mad at my son, but I don't know if I'll be mad at him forever and stuff like that. And I say, well, something is better than nothing. Because if you do nothing, then it's sort of all bets are off. Uh, and if you do something, then you have some control because you're designating who handles my finances if I become disabled. Uh, you know, what happens if I go into the hospital and I have COVID and I'm in a coma. Uh, what is going to happen if, um, you know, uh, I have my own business and I become incapacitated, what happens? Where does it go? Who's, who's going to run the business? Who gets to sign the payroll checks? Uh, you know, even basic things like that. Um, uh, you know, you have to say, well, let's see if we can have a plan. It doesn't have to be a hundred page plan. It could be a one page plan, but let's get a plan in place. I think, you know, again, and, and what I'm taking from this and, and, and I preach this lots of times also is, is planning. And it's just like, do the plan. Yes. It's going to cost you to, to put together a plan, but if you don't put together the plan, it's going to cost you a whole lot more um, and, and I'm, we're talking significantly more if you don't have the plan. Yeah, I mean, it, it's, I, I think it was um, Dwight D. Eisenhower when he was, you know, commanding the Allied armies in Europe, um, who said, um, no plan works, but planning is critical. Right. And what I tell the people is, I can't predict the future but I can usually predict the futures mm -hmm. and uh, it may not be probable, but it's possible that you will have won the lottery or it is possible that you are going to become a disabled. What do you do in those situations? And uh, it is, you know, taking a look at, um, you know, what are the possibilities and how do we plan for it? Because when the crisis hits, if you've got, an idea or your family has an idea of what they are supposed to be doing, then they can deal with the crisis. If they have no idea, that's when usually mistakes are made. Right, right, I agree, I agree. What, um, 
What do you know now that you wish you knew when you first got started? How to work on computers. <laughs> when I when I started practice, when well, when I was in college, um, I did a, a computer programming course. Why a medieval historian needs a computer programming course, I don't know, except for the fact that you have some statistical analysis on things. And then at that time, we were programming on what they called IBM cards, the punch cards, which uh, I think only people who are able to drive a stick shift are going to be able to remember those. Right. Um, and I, you know, now you're able to handle things on a computer that were light years away from what was going on at that time. Right. So it would have been very interesting to have kept up on programming, which I didn't do, and being able to really take advantage of the automation and the power that computing has for planning and drafting and getting things to the client to a certain degree before the client needs or wants them. Right. So that it's right there and when you need it, you can find it. Right. Yeah, I, I remember remember being in college and same thing. You did your did your punch card and you want some lights light up on the computer and that that happened, then you passed the class. Um was kind and of if you, dropped, if you dropped your stack of cards, you were doing oh, yeah. they didn't they were never numbered. Right. Yeah. Start all over again. Um, when, it, you know, a couple of things that, um, if you can, you know, touch on them a little bit, lots of times, you know, when, when I talk to my clients and they want us to help them with their deceased parents' taxes, you know, they come to me, oh, here, here's the power of attorney that I have. And then I have to explain to them that that power of attorney isn't any good anymore. Can you explain kind of that whole situation? Well, a power of attorney is act is basically when you sign a power of attorney, you are appointing someone to act as your agent. They can do what you could do if you were there and you were mentally and physically competent. That's why they call it durable, because even if you become incompetent, right, uh, due to age or illness or whatever, it still applies. Mm -hmm. They can do whatever you could have done. But they can only do what you could have done, which means that the moment that you die, they are no longer your agent. Right. Now, you can have someone be appointed as executor, as they used to call it. Now, sometimes they call it personal representative under a will. Or you could file, if it's an intestacy, you could file for an administration in the probate courts. But that usually takes some time and some cost. And, you know, if you have something which is, uh, you know, you have a power of attorney to handle day-to-day -day affairs, but you also have a trust, then whoever you appoint a successor trustee, at the moment of your death, you are no longer the trustee. And your successor becomes the trustee automatically. And then at that point, they would be the person that would be because because you could have somebody that's got your your power of attorney currently, but that is not your successor trustee. Correct. Correct. You could have somebody. In other words, when I draft up powers of attorney, 
and this is a stylistic thing more than it's a legal thing. I only put one person on each power of attorney. So they say, well, I want my wife and my three kids. So I have four powers of attorney. And the reason is because you may say to uh, your son, look, your wife, my mother, your mother and I are going to go on a year long cruise. Here's a power of attorney. When the bills come in, you'll be able to sign the check as my attorney and pay the bills. But you go to your daughter and say, I know that you've got a good financial head on your shoulders. Here's the power of attorney so that you can manage our money, our investment money that's at the brokerage firm. You don't have to be of a power of attorney to everything to the same person. Hmm. That's a that's that I haven't heard before. So that's definitely something something new, but that's a, a great way of looking at it. It's an experience thing because I uh, uh, you know, uh, this is one of those parables that I mentioned before. Right. Um, I had a client who came to me and he was uh, had estate planning documents from a prior uh, relationship, you know, attorney relationship. But um, he and his wife had to go. He was had a job in London and his wife, who was at that point seven months pregnant, said, look, I'm not going to do this by myself. I'm going with you. And so he and his wife were in London. And at that time, the interest rates had been very high and were falling. So after a while, he called up his brother and said, look, I want you to go and apply for a refinance of the mortgage on the house because the interest rates are now so much lower than they were. Um, and the brother said, well, how can I do that? He says, well, there's a power of attorney. You use that. So the bank, the the brother goes to the power with the power of attorney to the bank and says, we'd like to refinance. The bank officer looked at it and says, what, his wife is dead or what? He says, what do you mean? He says, his wife is the first one on the power of attorney. You're second. Unless she resigns or dies, you have no authority to do anything, which is absolutely true. Yeah. And so I said to, you know, the client called me up and said, what are we going to do? I said, look, I want you to go to, you know, get yourself a fax machine. This is how long ago this was. Right. <laughs> I will fax you a power of attorney that will appoint your brother to act as your agent in regards to refinancing the bank. You're going to have to get it notarized, right? So that means you got to go to the consulate and get it notarized and witnessed. Sign it, notarize it, stick it in the, uh, you know, uh, FedEx envelope, send it to your brother and say, go to the bank and now you'll be able to do it. And that is one of the things, reasons why I always do separate powers of attorney for each person that you appoint. Hmm. That's, that's interesting. I mean, you know, I've seen where, you know, one sibling has had the power of attorney for, for financial and everything. And another one has had it for medical, but I haven't seen, you know, multiple for for different financial reasons and and that's i mean that's actually a great um uh, you know thought process you know when going through it yeah i mean on the medical side that's completely different right um in that uh there's two things that you have one of which is can your medical provider speak to the people that you want to have them speak with because otherwise it's violating the HIPAA regulations. Mm -hmm. So if you say, you know, and so I tend to have it that they say, well, I want my wife to do it. I said, okay, your wife is first. 
And then I want my kids. I say, put all of them on. So it's, you know, my son, my daughter, and my other son. Any one of them can speak to the doctor. Now they can't control what you're going to have done for your medical. Medical, you are in control of that. But if the doc, if you're unresponsive and the doctor has to call somebody up and say, what do we do? They need to be able to talk to you. The other is what they call a living will, which is I want this and I don't want that. And um, I'm always a little leery on being too specific there because you never know what the future is going to hold. Right. Now, I have done those for people like Jehovah's Witnesses and such that have are Christian scientists that have a uh, ethical or religious, you know, aversion to using that type of treatment. But for the normal person, they say, well, I never want to be on a ventilator. I'm like, you may not want to say that because you may be in a situation where you need to be on a ventilator because otherwise you're going to die. Right. They have visions of somebody who's in a, you know, brain dead and in a coma. Right. So. I mean, COVID would be a great example of that where somebody, you know, was, was having issues and they put them on a ventilator to, to, help them recover. Yep. And, you know, it's, uh, it's, so one of the things is give some flexibility on it. Right. Now, Matt, what have I not asked you that you wish I had? Um, well, I guess uh, the one thing I would say is, uh, what is it that the clients can do to make things easier? And the, one of the things that I tell people is, Make sure that you've got a common goal for everybody yourself and everybody who's involved with your estate. Make sure that you all agree on that because that avoids having a family fight. Right. Uh, and, you know, that sometimes I spend a lot of time, particularly when there's a family business involved. And I, you know, I'm like, well, do they all agree to this? You know, equally splitting up the shares among the people who work there and the people who don't work. Is everybody agreeing to this? Right. And they say, oh, yes. And then I say, okay, I, can, I need to talk to them. One-on-one, -on -one, are you happy with this? And almost invariably, yeah. they say, no, I'm not happy with this. I'm happy to work for mom and dad. They made the company. I will pay them for the rest of my life. But I'm not going to spend money or my time making my kids you know, making my kids work at this company for my siblings. I want to buy them out. I'm happy to give them the fair share, the fair price on it, but I don't want to be working for them for the rest of my life. Right. And conversely, I'll have somebody who says, no, I don't want this. I want the money. I don't want to be, have it tied up in the company. So I want to have a way of being able to get my money out. Of it. So I say, okay, so when you die, we have to have, a situ have to have a plan for how do we reallocate the, the assets so that people who are in the company get to keep the company. People who are not in the company get their fair share. Right. That makes a lot of sense. So, Matt, if, if people like what they hear and they want to talk to you, how can they, how can they reach out to you? Well, probably the best way is to take a look at my website, which is uh, www erskine and erskine.com uh, and that's all spelled out uh, and uh, my contact information is there 
they can also email me at uh, m.erskine at erskine and erskine.com. Uh, and um, the other is uh, my phone numbers in the book. Sounds great. Matt, really appreciate your time today uh, and your wisdom. I know I've learned a lot and I'm sure our listeners did too. Well, uh, I appreciate your asking me. And uh, one of the things I'll say is I'm always learning new things. So, uh, you know, whenever I, somebody says, well, it's a, this is what Matt Erskine says you're supposed to do. Sometimes I say, well, you know, sometimes I'm wrong. And maybe you should do it the way that this guy says to it. So I, I try to be collaborative rather than saying you must do this. You must do that. Right, right. Well, thank you for your time. I appreciate it. Good luck. And thank you for asking me to speak with you. Sure. Today, our guest was Matthew Erskine, who was with Erskine Erskine LLC. See you guys next week. This show has been produced by Market Domination LLC. To discover how you can have your own show completely done for you and turn it into a real published book and become the authority in your marketplace, go to www.marketdominationllc.com slash podcast offer. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.